Hello again, you delightful listener. Welcome to the British English Podcast with me, your host, Charlie Baxter. In this episode, I went to see a fellow podcast pal called Pete, who focuses on teaching Australian English. And we had never met in person, but since I was over in Melbourne, I decided to get on a ferry down to his neck of the woods and meet him in the flesh, which was really nice to do. And it was also interesting to see his podcasting setup. And uh, we, we couldn't help but press record and capture a conversation for you. So, um, yes, here it is. I challenged him to an intercultural quiz to see how competent he and, uh, well, we are in uh, cultural diversity. And without giving you too much of a spoiler about how we did, um, sincere apologies if we end up looking incredibly ignorant about your culture if it comes up in this quiz. But uh, hopefully you can look past that, focus on the language we use and enjoy a conversation between a native Australian English speaker and a native British English speaker. And remember, if you are listening to this episode for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or another podcast app, I highly encourage you to move over to the British English Podcast app, the one that I built for you uh, for free and to start listening to every episode on there because you can sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets, which will give you the chance to listen to any episode you like along with a mini glossary so you can see a bunch of native level phrases that come up in the episodes with the definitions next to them. So go download that now by clicking the link in the show notes or by searching BEP, that's B-E-P, or the British English podcast in your preferred app store. All right, let's get to it. All right. Hello, Pete. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Welcome to my house. <laughs> it's really fun to be here in person, <laughs> surrounded by a jungle of monsteras. That's it. You nailed it. You know the genus. Yeah. So we've got lots of plants, not monsters, but monstera. My phone keeps auto-correcting it to monsters. <laughs> so I keep telling people I've got some monsteras at home and everyone's like, monsters? What do you mean? And I'm like, I'm not talking about my kids. I'm talking about plants, jungle plants, monsteras. Yeah, I was expecting to come home and, and meet your kids, but I've met your monsteras instead. I know. The monsters are at daycare. <laughs> the monsters are at daycare. The monsteras are at home. Yeah, they don't have a daycare. No. <laughs> not for that, them. <laughs> that would be hard. It would be expensive. It, I can imagine it would be expensive. <laughs> and they might come back broken. Yeah, or really cold. Or really cold. <laughs> so, we're here to do a cultural knowledge quiz to see how good we are at understanding world cultures. I'm going to go straight into the first one. Unleash. Which of the following is considered poor etiquette in Japan? Offering a gift with two hands, placing your chopsticks upright in your food, and uh, the last one is taking off your shoes before entering someone's home. So, poor etiquette. Yeah. Okay. I have a feeling here that I think I have seen that Japanese people take their shoes off pretty much as a rule before going into people's houses. And that's becoming more and more popular here in Australia. So, I can't imagine a Japanese person leaving their shoes on would be seen as polite or good etiquette. I think I've also seen, I think, Japanese people handing people gifts with two hands. I don't, I don't know if that's a, maybe I'm imagining that, but I feel like the leaving chopsticks upright in your food would be something that would be seen as very rude or impolite because here in Australia and probably in Britain, if you left your fork just in the steak on a plate, that would probably be seen as pretty, pretty gross. 
Yeah. I mean, we have a rule where you have to put the fork and knife. Knife and fork? Which way do we say it? I'd say knife and fork. The knife and fork. Yeah, that sounded weird, fork and knife. The knife and fork. The fork and knife. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Uh, Put them together at like five o'clock. Yeah. Once you're done. Oh, okay. Oh, across the plate. Across to, the plate. To signal that, yeah, you finished. Yeah, you put them together on the plate. Yeah. I don't know if we ever had the five o'clock angle, but we definitely had the, you put them together on the plate. Yeah. I think the five o'clock angle was added to my understanding of good manners afterwards. And it was because <laughs> they sometimes clip the waiter when the waiter's clearing things. Oh, really? So it's kind of like, you know, on a table. Yeah. If you're, if you're at six o'clock, they might poke out. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah. <laughs> Are you just bullshitting me? Or is no, that really- no, no, I'm not, I'm not. I think that's the reason. I think that's the reason. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Aussies have this. Yeah. Do you abide by it? Yeah, generally. If there is a knife and fork, I mean, probably more so at, say, somewhere like my grandparents' house, where it's a lot more conservative and that kind of, they would look at you and be, <laughs> you know, finish his food and he just left the fork on the table. So, I would be much more inclined to be like, you know, no elbows on the table, eating with my mouth closed and not talking. And uh, then once I'm finished, definitely making sure that the knife and fork are there. I don't think I would worry about the angle. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, a very rough character. My, my grandparents would be like, the whole time it was meant to be at a five degree angle off to the left and he's just been leaving it straight up and down the middle. <laughs> I don't think many people know about that five o'clock thing. Mm. I think I may have even made it up, to be honest. But I asked this because my sister is married to an Aussie. and They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't really appreciate that you should be having manners to the point where you're <laughs> thinking about other people before yourself. <laughs> When it comes to table manners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just, he, or just in general. <laughs> he's quite a shy person. Yeah. Or reserved. And not conscientious. Yeah. <laughs> he's very happy to just let you serve yourself. If he's... Oh, okay. He's, he's quite, like, good at making everything and presenting it, mm-hmm. but then he won't really tell you where it is and you've got to go and find it, whereas he's just taken a plate and he's sat down on the table. Not on the table. Yeah, Sat down gotcha. by the table and he's just... You know, so it's much more of a help yourselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like a buffet at all times. That could just be a cultural thing, though, too, where we often have that in Australia where someone will do all of that hard work of cooking and then present it. But after that, it's kind of a, you know, you just have at it. There's not someone's not going to come around and be like, would you like some taters? Mm. Yeah, it's going to be a you can have whatever you want now. But I can see how that would be also seen as rude if you were expecting to be dished out your your meal, right? And and, and being like, I don't know what I'm getting, what I'm meant to be taking. Am I allowed to? You, you'd have to have that yeah. conversation overtly, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. So, it's it's not rude. It's just, is it you guys? I mean, I'm stereotyping, but mm-hmm. is it, do you reckon the way in which you're not wanting to draw attention to the fact that you've made it? No, I think you're probably digging in too deep. I think it's probably just a cultural thing of frequently we have social occasions where it's a bring a dish, right? That whole bring a plate thing. Don't actually just bring a plate, bring a plate with food on it. (laughs) (laughs) I brought my own plate. Good tip. And then um, everyone kind of just has at it. Yeah. But usually I think it's sort of agreed upon. You won't just let people guess as to whether or not that's the case for the party or the 
the meal, the expectations, I think it will usually laid out pretty obviously for like, you know, if someone will get up and say, okay, I've cooked everything, help yourselves guys. And, you know, plates are there, knives and forks are there, get into it. Yes. Nice. Otherwise, the person will be like, no, we're doing it this way. Mm. We're going to have this first and then we will have that. And they'll be very, I'm standing here with the, you know, the knife and I'll be chopping up the meat and dishing out everything one by one. Get in a line, everyone. Get in a line. Kids at the back, elderly people at the front. Let's go. Yeah. I, I can see that. So, but either way, mm-hmm. chopstick or a, fo- a fork in the steak is rude for both countries. I feel that, that's at least what I'm guessing. Was that yeah. the right answer? Yeah. Spot on. I actually misread it. I was that classic student that didn't read the question. And yep. um, yeah, I read taking off your shoes before entering someone's home. I, I read the neg- the flip reverse. And leaving that. them on. I was like, oh, I know Japanese people have guest slippers and then yes. guest toilet slippers. Wow. So, I thought it was that one, but yeah. I, I think was... when you were reading it out, that was what I was expecting you to say of not taking your shoes off before going inside. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, I listened carefully and was like, oh, it's a trick question. <laughs> trick question. All right. Next one is, which color should you avoid wearing in your wife's country in Brazil? Oh, man. Damn it. I've got three options here, but I'm not going to give them to you yet. In your wife's, in the entire country? In, yeah, it says in Brazil. Far out. I, I have zero idea. I feel like I need to text my wife. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> I will give you the options and then you can phone a friend. And so, it can be one of the... Uh, what, maybe we actually do it. Let's let's see. <laughs> can we actually do this? It'll be funny online. On, on the podcast, I'll give my wife a call and see if she actually answers. She's in the other room, but it's going to be too much of a hassle to walk out. Let's see. Let's see. I'll put on a loudspeaker. This is funny. I don't think I've ever done this on a podcast. Here we go. She can answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you're on a podcast at the moment. I've got a question from Charlie. The question okay. is, if I'm in Brazil, what yeah. what color am I not allowed to wear in my wife's country of Brazil? Should avoid. Or should avoid wearing. Oh, like clothing related? I assume so. You're is- not allowed to wear. Yeah, so my wife's Brazilian for the context, everyone. Um, yeah, are there certain colours that you're not allowed to wear if I go to... Again, avoid, not, avoid, not allowed. Avoid. Avo- oh, well, I was going to say, no, it's not that you're not allowed to wear certain colours, but, like, because our culture is very um, sexist, probably if you're wearing pink, it would be a bit like, oh, there you go, like... <laughs> yeah. It's really, like, men avoid, like, buying pink T-shirts. It's very and, macho. Like, it's really just this sort of silly gender thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, are women uh, so, meant to avoid blue? So, this is... Not at all. <laughs> no There's no... It makes no sense. The opposite so way. It's, it's, this is like male... It's sexism towards men then. So, the question isn't based on gender, like, identity. And the colours are red, purple or yellow. Are there any obvious colours there that scream out to you? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> this question's BS. I reckon it's going to be purple. Or is it all three of them are? Oh. It is purple. There you go. Told you. Together with black, purple is associated with mourning and is considered unlucky to wear unless you are attending a funeral. Is this bullshit? I've never heard of such a <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Not really. I mean, if you wearing every, like every piece of clothing, wearing it's purple or it's black or it's doesn't matter which color. But if you're completely like in black or in blue, it's like weird. But doesn't mean that oh, it's related to someone in like 
you know, who lost someone. It's just not, doesn't make much sense. Do you wear purple to a funeral? Or can you? Not really. People usually just wear black. Yeah, that's the same here. Very weird. Anyway, thank you, Cal. Not a problem. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, that was I- fun. Okay, carrying on. In India, what do vegetarian Hindus typically not eat? Wow, this is a big list. Meat? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on every option. <laughs> There's three foods that are on every option. Okay. So they are meat, fish, and seafood. Yeah. And then option one includes eggs and any dairy products. Option two includes just eggs. And option three is just meat, fish, and seafood. I feel like it's option three. I feel, I thought that, um, again, I'm not 100% sure, but I have a feeling that Hinduism really considers cows sacred, doesn't it? Or mm. like, you know, and so I think you don't eat the cow, but you would consume the milk. Ah. I don't know. Is that, I, I always, that was what was in my mind of like, they consider cows sacred so they don't consume them as food, but they would use the milk from them. Um, you know, to drink or to cook with or whatever. So, my assumption here would be three of just those three different meats, which seems to be covered under vegetarianism, right? So, the drink that you always have in, in a curry house is a lassi. Have you ever had one of them? No. It's like a smoothie. So, it's, it's lo- a lot of milk. So, I'd imagine the milk's fine then. <laughs> Unless it's goat milk and they're all being <laughs> like <laughs> milked to death. I would guess that a, a lassi includes milk. Yeah. Got a, yeah. Yogurt. Cream, water, and spices. Oh. I can't imagine being on a diet that wouldn't allow. I guess that's veganism, right? Where you can't have any meat nor dairy products. That would be very brutal. What food would you miss the most if you had to go strict vegan? Oh God, chicken. <laughs> Not chicken. even veggie. Just oh well, you'd have veggies if you're a vegan. <laughs> no, but, uh, no but I, mean, I mean like the difference between veggie and vegan. Yeah, but I think you it would can't just... even last without veggie. Yeah, without meat. I, I I don't think I can handle. Yeah, if I couldn't have any meat, what would it be besides that? I think probably milk, dairy products. Yeah, that'd be brutal. I think eggs. I, I yeah. would miss eggs big time. I just I think too you can't have anything with sugar in it, right? Because sugar uses. I think they use the calcium from bones of animals to purify sugar and make it white from memory so apparently i think i'd have to look this up but i have a feeling that just white sugar isn't vegan so you'd have they use something else to sweeten things and so i think if you were to have to avoid so many different products because they were they included you know sugar that was used in the product that would just drive me nuts wow yeah having to worry about that all the time yeah that wouldn't be good but yeah i think there are a lot of other things that you know would be the fact that you would have to be so on top of your nutrition and know what sort of vitamins and minerals you're low in and everything. It seems like every single vegan that I've ever met has always had some kind of an issue with being anemic or missing out on some kind of B12 or whatever it is, you know, some vitamin. 
and having to always have their bloods taken because they're not consuming a whole bunch of foods that we would otherwise naturally consume in order to get those vitamins and minerals. Yeah. So, I think that would be a bit of a headache. I'd also miss butter. Yeah. I've recently gotten into oh, Lurpak. Lurpak? Yeah. What's Lurpak? It's the posh butter. Is it? It like it costs three times the amount, maybe really? five times the amount. Really? But yeah. it's worth it? It was fantastic. But now I've got used to it. I don't appreciate it. Uh, so I need to go back. You're out of the honeymoon stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that's it. You're going to have to um, be brutal to yourself. Maybe you only have it for like one month out of the, every four. One month out of every four. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds healthy. Actually. See, I, I switched over to the, um, is it the plant sterols butter? So, it's the stuff that you, you would consume if you're trying to get your cholesterol down, which I was because my cholesterol was high. So, I just converted everything that I could to lower cholesterol in my diet. It worked. But- I switched over to the plant sterols one, which is, I can't even remember the brand, but you can find them everywhere. And uh, to be honest, I haven't really even noticed a difference Uh, between that and butter. Pardon the interruption, but I want to let you know about an activity I have created for you to access for free on the britishenglishpodcast.com slash freebies. It is a creativity exercise that helps you find ways to learn English whilst being in a state of flow. Being in a state of flow happens when we're totally immersed in an activity to the point where we pay no attention to distractions and time itself seems to pass by without any notice. I would say I am in my happy place when I'm in a state of flow because it allows my creativity to flourish. And I want to help you connect your learning experience with feeling this immense level of happiness that is entirely possible when studying. Who'd have thought it? Revising English can open up feelings of pure ecstasy. Don't worry, though, I'm not forcing drugs on you, but I am encouraging you to check out this new exercise I have created that will help you reach a state of flow, I mean flow, when learning English. Find the link in the show notes to thebritishenglishpodcast.com slash freebies. That is spelt F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. And then click on the creativity exercise and we can all get high on life together. Back to the episode. But I heard bacon. Um, oh my god, bacon! Oh yeah, bacon. Bacon, I would miss. Sorry, bacon. sorry, pigs. Yeah, that would be tough. Apparently, um, <laughs> unintended. As in the bacon's tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Although, no, <laughs> not always. Yeah, you need to go to England or what? the UK to have some proper bacon. Though, uh, is that or is that right? What it's... about America? Americans would be no. screaming, hearing this, and being like, "What are you talking about?" No, they're wrong. Every, I always wonder every that. Every single one of you that's listening repeats this is wrong. <laughs> every time I see one of those American movies where they're in a diner and they get those two little strips of like bacon that looks like ribbon, like corrugated iron kind of- It looks like that. It doesn't look real. No. I, I've never seen bacon like that here in Australia cooked the way- I think they just cooked the crap out of it and it's the fatty shortcut bacon. I think not the shortcut stuff, the, the really thin fatty strips that are kind of rectangles. They're not the um, the fat chunky end of the bacon like we you'd normally see. I think that's the shortcut stuff where the fat's been trimmed off and it's that eye of the, the bacon. Yeah. So, I don't know. America seems to do it a completely different way. They do. Than what I've seen here. And what's so it's better in Britain? Is it thicker? It's thicker. Juicier. It's better. In it. 
<laughs> it's but, just bitter, isn't it? <laughs> that's quite good. With a bottle of water. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, okay, so... Shots fired. There we go. Meat, fish, seafood, and eggs is apparently the answer. S- seafood and eggs, okay. So, eggs, no eggs. Is that because it's like the embryo of an animal? So, they... St- it is weird that, that vegetarians still smash eggs when you consider that that's the embryo of an animal. It is a bit weird if you think about it too much, but yeah, I don't like to think, think about it I don't think they think about it too much, do they? No. It's, it's not fertilized, so it's fine. It shouldn't be fertilized. Oh, that's it's, true. It's fine. Yeah. It's just half of an organism. Yeah. Unless it's got that little black, like little red bit. In. <laughs> <laughs> then you know you're eating a baby. I always get like a little bit of extra satisfaction where I smash the egg open and I see that as it lands on the pan. <laughs> and I'm just like, got him. <laughs> Guys, we're joking. Yeah, that was actually a joke. <laughs> Hindus allowed eggs. I just feel like I need to cross-reference this since the last question was... Potentially bogus. Some Hindus will eat eggs, some will not. There we go. Just yeah. to confirm. So you get to decide. Okay. In which country is the number four considered unlucky? China. <laughs> Didn't even need the options. Do you know why? If I, I'd love to see what you'd be like on the game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I have, well, if they ask that question, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know why it's unlucky? Let me think. Number four. Yeah. So number one means toilet as in urination number oh, okay. two poo number three i don't know if that carries over though in um in other languages does it i'd love to know i can't imagine in in portuguese i speak to my wife in portuguese saying like Eu vou fazer um número um. i'm gonna do a number one she would probably be like what the f are you talking <laughs> who is number one and why are you going to do them i'm obviously being ignorant deliberately but it is weird that that doesn't make it across the languages I wonder how we determined it, though. Like, who decided, oh, one is a P and two is a poo? Like, who sat down and gave those numbers? (laughs) Maybe because it's a bit more, not taboo, but we just don't like to say, I'm I'm Mm going to take a shit. We should have turned it into sounds. It should have just been, I'm going to do it and not a... (laughs) (laughs) No, that would have been so much better. That's even more graphic (laughs) than the word shit. Imagine if you're on a first date with a girl. Excuse me, mate, I'm just going (laughs) to... I'll be back in a bit after I've... (laughs) Have you got a in here? (laughs) I feel like it's one of those things, it's totally arbitrary though. As soon as you say I need to do a number two, the person instantly thinks, oh, they just don't want to say they want to do a shit. (laughs) So it's not like they're left there confused. (laughs) Otherwise, if you wanted to be like ambiguous, you would just say, excuse me, I need to find the little little boy's room. (laughs) Oh, I see. I'm going to powder my nose. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm going to do a two yeah. is just the blank for I'm You're just doing saying I'm going to do a shit in a polite way. Yeah, yeah, I do quite like how Americans say, where's the bathroom? Yeah. That's very ambiguous. Or restroom, right? Or restroom, yeah. What, are you going to sleep in there? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely take a rest, though. <laughs> That's it. I normally do a number two, then I rest, and then I leave. <laughs> or I do another one. There's a bed right next to the toilet in American dunnies. <laughs> Poop well, while you sleep. Well, there you go. China. That was right. Do you Can know you why, though? Me? No, yeah. I don't know why. So, I think I think the, the word is su, and it means death. It's the same sound for the number four. Ah. So, e earth. Uh, what was that again? E earth sun su. Um, so, one, two, three, four. And su means death. And so, they often don't have floors that are number four. They don't have- They don't use the number four for a lot of things. Right. Because it's bad luck. Ah. So, yeah. So, often we would be like, one, two, three, go. And they're like, one, two, three, die. (laughs) Yeah. One, two, three, five. (laughs) Oh. Would they? (laughs) No. No. I'm sure they would count it out. But I think from when you get in a lift, they might not have certain 
numbers like the number four on the there'll be one, two, three, five. Again, Chinese people listening to this, you tell us. Yeah. But I've heard that as a rumor that they will go and they're somewhat superstitious with those sorts of things. So, they'll avoid numbers with four in it. That's certain things, yeah. Confusing. Especially, I think, too, if you have like 44 or 444, ah. that's seen as even worse. Do they skip 40? The whole, you know, if I, it's on a like a postcode or something? You'd have to ask. You'd yeah. have to ask them. But, yeah. Should we phone another friend? Uh, I don't think I've got any Chinese friends on um, Hot Dial here that I could just call up randomly yeah. and be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> Bit of a different time zone as well. In which country does nodding the head up and down mean no rather than yes? I know this one. Nepal. Interesting. We've got Bulgaria, Russia, and Thailand. Oh, I didn't realize you were going to tell me beforehand the actual places. Okay, well, I This I've is the failed. whole... It's called a multiple choice <laughs> quiz. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, I thought it was an open-ended. All right, well, I said Nepal. That wasn't even one of the choices. Okay, so what was it? Bulgaria, Russia... Thailand. Oh, it'd be Thailand then, I reckon. Why? Bulgaria and Russia seem to be um, very close, right, uh, in terms of culturally, mm. I would think. Uh, much more than Thailand there. So, I would assume that if one of those countries was going to have it, both of them would. So, I think Thailand, but I'm not, I, I don't know. I, by your reaction, I have a feeling that I got it incorrect. Yeah, I haven't really got a poker face, have I? <laughs> okay, I guess I'm guessing second chance is Bulgaria. Ooh, interesting. So, my one of my first ever one-to-one students was Bulgarian. Mm-hmm. And this was a bit of a culture shock when she told me this. Yeah. I was fascinated. I was telling everyone for about a week. I hope I've got it right. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Bulgaria, really? Yeah. You're nodding though. So, is that no or is that yes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be so confusing to get used to that. Yeah. <laughs> I would be so confused. And it's so funny. It's so arbitrary, right? Moving your head one way or the other to signify yes or no or to to show anything is just an arbitrary movement that we've, for some reason, across cultures, many cultures, decided that this means yes and no. One thing that always got me was how many people from India will move their head from, like, side to side to kind of show agreement when you're talking to them. So, I have, like, guys that work for me and sometimes they'll do that and I'll be like, was that a yes? Was that a no? Are you annoyed? I don't understand that in the the context of um, what we're doing here because I don't make that movement, um, you know, in in my culture the same way. And they'll chiropractor? (laughs) Yeah. It's just an interesting thing. You just sort of like, and they'll be like, no, I'm just agreeing with you. Or, you know, like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And you sort of like, oh, all these things are just arbitrary, right? You just have to kind of learn how they do it. But they have this very unique shake of the head. That yeah, they will they do. do. Yeah. And even as, as you're talking, I'm I'm really wanting to just constantly, occasionally nod up and down. It mm-hmm. feels so natural. To sort of agree with someone. To agree with yeah. somebody. And it's yeah. kind of like this up and down motion throughout the whole body. Mm-hmm. And to go like the opposite across yeah. seems, I mean, obviously, we I've had 32 years of knowing that that is negative. Yeah. The opposite is positive, but strange for me. Remember. That this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. I'm trying to think of some other good examples across um, Brazilian and Australian culture that I have with my wife because there are definitely certain things... 
One of the biggest things that I've noticed with her when she hugs people, and I don't mean me in general, but I think people you're close to, she will sniff your neck. Like they- and Brazilians do this. I think it's a thing where when they get close and they hug someone, you, usually obviously you've got your head next to the other person's head, they inhale. And to a point where you're like, what are you doing? When I first was with her, I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, and I think we were romantically involved, so it wasn't that strange. But it has become one of those things now that I notice I subconsciously do. I'll give my mum a hug and I notice myself doing it. Wow. And it's like, I don't know how I, I've obviously just picked that up subconsciously. And then maybe there's Brazilians listening that are like, no, your wife's just weird. She's the only, <laughs> she's the only Brazilian that she's- actually does that. No one else does that. So, I don't know. Maybe she is. But that was definitely something that she told me. She was like, that's a cultural thing where we- show affection that way or you you kind of just embrace someone and also, you know, as opposed to say like in Italy or France where you kiss people on the cheek, their version would be to hug someone and you kind of inhale at the same time. So, I don't know. I wonder if COVID has changed that as well. I always thought it was going to. I was expecting that, but I have a feeling that it's not going to make much of a difference. Like we still shake hands now, we hug. I imagine that France and, and Italy and Spain, wherever those countries are in Europe where they kiss on each side of the face, that hasn't stopped. It may have slowed down for a little bit, but I don't think it would completely reverse. Yeah. Interesting. Can you example that, you know, like the, the loudness of the inhale? It's subtle, but you can hear it as the person being hugged. Because I feel like hugging and breathing in is natural. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, nice to see you. I embrace you, kind of. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe... Maybe I'm confusing it and maybe it is something you would do with a romantic partner and not necessarily everyone because it's definitely something I do with my wife and my children all the time now where I will give them a cuddle and just inhale. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It sounds creepy to like actually verbalize and talk <laughs> yeah, about it, to does. be honest. <laughs> it's something that's, it sounds like I'm not abusing my family, guys. But it is one of these weird things where- Locked up for sniffing his it was, family. Scent is such an important thing, right? Definitely. You know, which is why we wear perfumes and, yeah. and shower and all that sort of stuff. So, I think it's just a, a way of getting closer to that in their culture. But I never, at least, I don't know, maybe all cultures do it to some extent. I never noticed me or anyone in Australia doing that prior to getting with my wife, Kel, and it becoming much more of a, hey, I noticed you doing this thing. Like, what? what's with the- <laughs> up against my neck is that like some kind of erotic thing that you just do or is you know like what's the deal and then um now i do it so yeah i don't know maybe we're just weird no i mean obviously i don't know if every brazilian does that but i can imagine that being a cultural difference because i i don't think i've come across that particularly yet no i don't know there are definitely ones though i remember again i i hate my memory so i might be again fibbing but i've heard that there are certain Asian cultures that won't kiss on the mouth. They see that as very disgusting. What, even between Between, romantic partners? Yeah, between romantic partners, yeah. So, I'm not sure which one it would be. And I don't want to sort of just take a pot shot because I might be getting it completely wrong. But I believe that there are certain cultures where you will not kiss on the mouth. That's seen as like worse than kissing someone on the anywhere else. You can use your imagination. Is that where the, the nose kissing comes from? Possibly. I don't know. You've, you've got Google in front of you. What does it say? You know, it, that didn't come up. I guess we used to see French kissing as gross, right? Which is why we call it French kissing. Is that why we call it I French would imagine, kissing? I would imagine there's something in there. I thought right? it was to do with romance. Like, the French are always more romantic and passionate. Well, that was that. a- Again, I don't know what sort of a rating you want to put on this episode, but that was always a trope you would see in British- history, historic films, right? But when there was that conflict between the French, you know, they make love with their mouths, you know, these filthy French people. 
I don't know why I mean, he would be saying yeah. that in a French accent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just confused. But I remember seeing that in a few of those films where they'd be like, oh, he kisses with tongue. You know, they don't. They don't do that. So, it's obviously just these, we have these massive differences, you know, historically about what's okay and what's not. But again, it's just arbitrary. So, let's see. Cultures that don't kiss and then uh, with the mouth. Apparently, kissing wasn't practiced among Somalis. Yeah, I've got that coming up too. So, kissing isn't universally accepted and even today, there are some cultures that have no place for it. Indeed, some 650 million people or about 10% of the world don't partake in it at all. Until contact with the West, for example, kissing wasn't practiced among Somalis, the Lepcha people of Sikkim or Bolivia's indigenous Siriono people. So, there you go. Interesting, huh? It's a strange behavior. Yeah. Like, it's the one area that takes in so much food. Yeah. Well, you wonder who were, the f- who were the first people to do it and just be like, damn, we found something good. Like, <laughs> you imagine that being the first people in your tribe, like, 10,000 years ago to just start making out and everyone looking at you like, you disgusting, disgusting human beings. You know, what are you doing? You, those are your food holes. You do not- Take food from each other's food holes like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe that's something to do with it. Like they were sharing. Oh, like that cartoon, you know, the spaghetti. What? They were, sh- they were sharing food. Oh, Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. And then maybe they realized that they- this is nice. Yeah. Sharing food together. With they had mouths. spaghetti about 10,000 years ago. There were some cavemen who had spaghetti and they-, they both had the same strand and then sucked it in and ended up kissing and were like, damn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is good exercise. Yeah. The next one, I think you'll figure it out very quickly. Okay. But there's an interesting thing in there. Which country has the most time zones? We will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the Academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes, explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments and weekly speaking classes on Zoom. But if you were here just for part one, then I encourage you to check out Pete's podcast called Aussie English. And you can even listen to a recent episode we did on his where he took charge as quiz master and tested my intercultural competence. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie and I will see you next week on the British English podcast. <laughs>